This is the Jesus Habit Podcast, where we're using scripture and science to make your new nature in Christ second nature. This is episode 26 for Monday, October 7th, 2019. Today, before we get into our content for Monday, I want to remind any of our podcast listeners the why behind the Jesus habit. What we are doing is not creating a checklist, a ritual, a religion, you know, duties we have to perform to earn our salvation. That's not the point at all. Why we are doing this is to build a support structure in our lives that facilitates the real work God wants to do on changing our hearts. So we're working hard to create habits in our lives of Bible reading, prayer, devotionals like this podcast, and other daily habits or spiritual disciplines that will facilitate the kind of life change God wants to do in our lives. Because we spend so much time consuming other media, a lot of times we're not really giving Jesus a fighting chance. So we're starting to work work to tip the scale back in Jesus's favor in our lives so that he can transform our hearts, our minds, our entire existence into the image of his son. So we are doing this not for the point of checking boxes and getting repetitions and all of that stuff. We are doing this because these things create the space for God to do the real work of changing our hearts. That's why we're doing the Jesus Habit podcast. Our big idea for this week is the promise only becomes a reality for those who are diligent to the very end. Our weekly identity statement is, I am moving beyond the elementary teachings of salvation and into the maturity of righteousness. Our memory verse, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews four fourteen through 16 we have peace when we focus on the Prince of Peace. We have peace when we focus on the Prince of Peace. We also have an enemy. He exists in a perpetual state of rebellion against God. Since he rebelled, he wants as many as possible to join him in the rebellion. He wants to have influence in your mind, over your mind. He wants to be able to direct your thoughts to his distractions and obsessions. But the good news is, he has already been defeated. Jesus defeated him on the cross, therefore he holds no actual power over us. Jesus holds the power over him, and soon enough he will be dealt with finally and ultimately. But in the meantime, we are not without hope against his tactics. We are not doomed to suffer under the influence of the devil. Through Christ, we have power over him and his ways. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace, you being God. God keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You may remember that old hymn, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. God keeps us in perfect peace when our mind is steadfast, focused, resolute, resolved on God, on Jesus. Why? Because we trust in him. Our trust is in the one we're focusing on. 
What this verse teaches us is that we have peace when we focus on the Prince of Peace. A huge theme of Hebrews is peace and rest. When our assurance is in Christ and nothing else, we have the peace that passes understanding. This world is starving for peace. So being a person of peace is a tremendous way to shine the light of Christ into our hyper-anxious society. As we said last week, anxiety increased 36% from 2016 to 2017 and 40% from 2017 to 2018. I asked my brother, the math teacher, to help me with the math. That's actually an increase of 91% in a two-year span. Anxiety is running rampant. During that same time, smartphones have steadily grown in use. Now more than 5 billion people use mobile devices. Nearly 3 million of those are smartphones. In other words, we have them with us all the time. I talked a bit last week about how our society actually uses anxiety against us to get us to buy their products and agendas. I think this should be illegal because it's manipulative and incredibly divisive. But what this teaches us is these devices are greatly and devastatingly impacting the way we think. Think about it from the standpoint of distractions and anxiety, one of the tactics of the enemy. You have hundreds of friends on Facebook or Instagram. They all post different points of view on politics and current issues. Then you add to that advertising and the plethora of companies that are selling you various stories to get you to buy their product. Then you add into that mix the opposing ideologies and even spiritually opposed factions that exist in the world today. And what do you have? A mind bomb. It's paralyzing. So many people are getting paralyzed by the overwhelming forces fighting for our attention and our resources. Do you think they're having an effect on our thinking? With anxiety increasing by 91% in two years, I think it's safe to say... Absolutely. Mindlessly consuming 11 hours of media per day is having a terrible effect on the state of mind of the people around us, including ourselves. But then there are the things that have been around for millennia. Worry, doubt, frustration, anxiety, fear, anger, disappointment, the list is long. The enemy has a lot of tools at his disposal. Not only that, he has been refining his approach for thousands of years. He knows what he's doing. What do we do? Well, we're not helpless. Today's focus in the 90-day journey process deals with six tactics to help us fight back against the enemy's attacks. I won't go into detail here because I've already done so in episode 25 of the Jesus Habit podcast. It's also available in video form on Workplace for the People of 6-8 Church. Today, I just want to look at two primary scriptures that we may not typically think of when it comes to our mind. Usually, we jump right to Romans 12 and think about renewing our mind, and that's a great verse. But there is more than that. For instance, 2 Corinthians 10.5, which says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take captive every thought to obey Christ. Some translations say, make it obedient to Christ, as in, to make the thought obedient to Christ. I like either way. We don't let our thoughts that will keep us from obeying Christ run out of control. We take every thought we have in our minds and make it obey Jesus. 
It doesn't matter what argument the enemy may make. It doesn't matter what opinions he sneaks in under our radar. Anything that opposes the work God is doing in our lives is an imposter, and we must take them captive and deal with them accordingly. The next one may be my favorite, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We don't have anything to be afraid of. Jesus has conquered everything. Our enemy is defeated. Whatever this world may throw at us, including the potential of having to die for our faith, holds no power over us because Jesus is greater. And that spirit that raised Christ is the same spirit that lives in you and me. It's the spirit of resurrection. It's the spirit of power, a power strong enough to bring Jesus back to life. And if it can defeat death, it has more than enough power to defeat any ideas in your mind. It can bring your mind back to life in Christ. This is the spirit we have received, not of fear, but power. Not of fear, but love. It's the spirit of love. God has not given us a spirit of anger, hatred, spite, and malice. That's not of Christ. God has given us the spirit of love, which lays down its life for others. Unconditional love. It is this love that God uses in and through our lives to testify to his Son, because God is love. That is who he is. If we are in Christ, we are love. We should be known by our love. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of self-control, or a sound mind, or a disciplined mind. The spirit Christ has given us does not run rampant, off the rails, destroying our peace. That's what the enemy does. When your mind is running out of control, you've probably been influenced by the enemy in one way or another. And what you need is Jesus. You need the presence and power of Jesus to help you discipline your mind to dwell on Christ. Because it's only as we focus on the Prince of Peace that we have peace in our lives. When our minds aren't focused on Jesus, we tend to find ourselves in a state of increasing fear, anxiety, worry, frustration, anger, and worse. That's how it works in my mind. When I'm not disciplined to keep my mind focused on Jesus, it's incredibly easy to get off the rails. But no matter how far off track I get, it's only ever one step back. I can refocus my mind on Jesus and immediately begin to experience his presence, his power, and his peace of mind. Do you have peace? What are you focused on? www.thejesushabit.com